Thanks for downloading this podcast and listening. I'm your host, Peter Harling. You can follow me on Twitter at Farling, at P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G, or uh, follow the podcast Twitter account at DPR underscore show. So this is episode 59. I can't believe I've done 59 episodes of this and people are still listening. So I thank you very much for listening. And if you do listen to the show, I'm really interested. Uh, reach out to me on Twitter. Let me know what you like about it, uh, what you don't like, what some of your favorite moments or tips were, where you listen from in the world. Uh, the podcast site that hosts this is uh, Podbean, and they provide some stats for me. And I can see that most of the people are listening in Canada and then the United States. But there's some pockets in, in Europe, traditional hockey countries, of course, uh, especially English-speaking ones. Um and then there's some other countries that speak English as well that listen to this show too, like Australia and Great Britain. Um, Australia is quite high, actually. They're probably the third uh, ranked nation. So, g'day, eh? Uh, if you're listening from any other country that's a non-traditional country, let me know. I- I'm curious, uh, are you a transplanted Canadian or North American or-, or hockey fan? Or are you a hockey fan living in Japan um, that's learned English? So thanks for listening. And let's get on with the show. So coming up on today's episode... I've had some conversations with with people, and I listen to some other podcasts, Bob McKenzie's, of course, and he'll be on this episode coming up at the end, so a great interview with Bob's live from the NHL draft, so stick around to the end for that, it's totally worth it. Um, But one of the things he gets asked a lot on his podcast is, um, you know, people want to be in hockey, they want to be a writer, they want to be a scout, they want to be a coach, a general manager, whatever it is, and if you're listening to this, you're probably interested in prospects in the scouting side. Um, so I've been asked that a lot as well uh, from aspiring writers, uh, especially during my time as the managing editor at Dopper Prospects. So I'll, I'll touch on that. I'll also do a recap of my own fantasy draft, uh, the players that I picked, the picks that I had, and who was picked just before and after and why I picked them. And then as well, I'll go over a list of some of the top players uh, right off my draft list, uh, players coming over to the NHL from NCAA and Europe. I talk about that a lot on this podcast, so some of this will be rehashed, but uh, it's coming up the time of season where a lot of you are doing your fantasy drafts, and uh, based on the timing, this is particularly relevant. So let's get at it. Let's start with um, talking about becoming a scout or getting into the industry. So I'll focus kind of primarily on uh, people who want to be a hockey scout. So first and foremost, it is... Not a very glorious job, to say the least. Uh, it involves a lot of traveling, um, especially in you know, traditional hockey markets. It's a lot of driving in the winter uh, in terrible conditions and staying at crappy hotels. And it doesn't pay anything or very well. So analogy that uh, Ainsley and I talked about in Vancouver at the draft, it's like, it's like getting in the mob. If you want to get into the NHL, you got to be a made man. And it's really hard to get to the inside of the boys' club and to get made. Um, if you're like me, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're more than likely like me. You're just a thug. You're, you're out there writing on a blog, writing for someone, um, commenting on Twitter. Maybe you've got a 1,000 or so followers. Maybe you're doing pretty good. That's fantastic. So here's some, some thoughts and some tips. And I'll give you a little bit of, of my story about how I got to be where I am now. So I was a retail manager for a long, long time of, of good old blockbuster video back in the day. And I worked there for about 15 years, right up until the very last day when they shut, shut her down. So after having worked for one particular 
job for so long, I felt that I couldn't just jump into the job market and start looking for a new job. I needed time to, to decompress and unblockbusterize my brain. So I went on EI and I just took some time and I thought, you know, I got to do something to keep busy. So let's, let's try, I'd love to be a hockey writer. So let's try writing about hockey and I'm really into fantasy hockey and not too bad at it. So let's write about fantasy hockey because what, well, quite frankly, hockey is kind of saturated. So I figured the fantasy niche um, way back when I started doing this about 10 years ago um, was a growing opportunity, a growing industry. And so I did. I started the blog and then from there, um, a Twitter account and started posting some stuff on Twitter, tried linking and posting on other sites like HockeyBuzz or Reddit or anywhere I could, links to the articles that I had wrote and uh, got offered free writing jobs with some other blogs or, or whatnot. And so I, I, I took those since I had absolutely no credibility or history uh, or reputation or brand or name. Um, I guess the biggest break I got was an opportunity from Dauber to write for him. Uh, I also received an opportunity to write for the hockey writers covering the Ottawa Senators. So I did that for about a year. Um, so that allowed me to get on the inside of the bloggers community. Yeah, not the NHL community, but the bloggers community. So I guess my first suggestion would be put yourself out there, write as much as you can for whoever you can. And the larger the platform of the, the webpage you're writing for, the more eyes will read your stuff and the more reputation that you'll build. Um, of course, have your own blog. It's kind of like your portfolio, your, your resume. If you want to apply for a, a paying position, you can say, here's everything I've ever written on my blog. So you kind of have that as your reference and you can post on a website like Dauber Prospects and then repost it on your blog with a link at the bottom saying originally posted at Dauber Prospects with a link to the original posting. Most sites, especially if you're writing for free, are very understanding of, of that. Um, so I guess the, that's how I kind of got started and then from there uh, I started my own website and uh, didn't have the programming or technical skills to make that look the way I wanted it to look. So kind of shut that down and Dauber was gracious enough to offer me an invitation back to write for him in a larger capacity as managing editor of Dauber Prospects. And Dean Youngblood, who was the pre the successor for predecessor, no, the guy that did it before me, uh, he moved on and he's actually since been hired as a scout and is working for an OHL team. And there's a lot of stories of people who start out as nothing, working as bloggers, and then get hired on um, as, a, as a legitimate scout. There's a couple from Dauber Prospects that have graduated and become legitimate scouts with minor league teams and started their career. So the goal, of course, is to quit your day job. Um, I'm not able to do that uh, because it requires a significant amount of sacrifice. So you got to be in the ranks, right? That's... That's one point. Number one, you have to be in the ranks. You can't just do this all from the comfort of your couch. Sorry. Uh, no one will take you seriously in the industry if they don't see you in the ranks. You just won't have any credibility. You have to go to the games. You have to travel. Um, that's just non-negotiable. So the next thing I would say is so having to travel means, and the games are played on the weekends. And for me, uh, I've come to the conclusion a long time ago that 
It's very unlikely that I'll succeed in this, and I've kind of shelved the dream of quitting my day job and becoming full-time employed in the hockey industry. Of course, that's still my, my dream and my goal, but I'm not prepared to make the sacrifices that are involved in that. And that means that, you know, I'm working my day job and I'm a, a blended family, so I see my kids every other weekend. Um, and, you know, junior hockey plays on weekends. So in order to go to the games and watch the games, I'd have to give up my time with my kids. And that's just a sacrifice that at this point I'm not prepared to make. Uh, but they're growing up, they're in high school, and um, so maybe in a few years that'll change a little bit and I'll reinvest some time. But for now, and up until then, it has just been a non-starter. Uh, so it involves a certain amount of sacrifice, to be sure. If you don't have kids or family, then, you know, then that's a lot easier. Uh, the next tip I would make would be uh, don't call yourself a scout. That can be uh, very offensive to people who are scouts, people who make a living at this. You're, if you just have a blog or you write for Dauber Prospects or or even a, a website that calls themselves a uh, scouting agency like ISS or whatever, you're not actually a scout. You are a writer. Scouts are people who go out, watch players, and make determinations that impact the organization that they work for. You're recruiting, you're drafting, and developing. You're all part of that process. That is what a scout is. If you go to games and watch players and assess their talent and write about it, you're a writer. Do yourself a favor don't call yourself a scout until you get hired as a scout. Uh, it just, people won't take you seriously. Uh, so it's kind of a, an industry faux pas that not a lot of people know about. Um, the next thing I would say, and this should be common sense, but I've kind of noticed that it's not. Um, be really courteous and respectful and humble. Do not say people who work at this for a living, even if it's kind of obvious that they write about something or do a ranking and it's obvious to you that it's ridiculous. Um, it's a career limiting move to call out someone like Craig Button, for example, and say, oh, this ranking is ridiculous. Uh, he doesn't deserve to be the head scout at TSN. Uh, that's just not what you want to do if you want to honestly make a living in the hockey industry. Um, also, when you're talking about players, uh, just be really gentle with players. Focus on what the positive is with a lot of the players. Say, this player does this really well, this player does this really well. If you want to be critical, that's fair. You have to be fair. Don't bring um, personal bias into it. Don't say things that are just mean. You know, Don't say he's a terrible skater. Say, skating needs to be improved. Something along those lines. Remember... If you're scouting players that are playing in the OHL or, or CHL level or lower, they're kids. They're teenagers um, at best. They, they're not professional and they don't deserve to be criticized. Um, the last thing you want to do is post an article about a player or a tweet about a player and saying how awful they did this or did that or how undeveloped this particular skill level is and then have their parents call you out. Um, that just, you know, makes you feel like a schmuck. So don't be a troll. Um, and just a reminder that the chances of actually succeeding in this industry are low. So don't do it for the money. Um, do it for the passion. And if you make it, you know, fantastic. Keep chasing that dream. Don't give up. Um, Ryan Beach just made it. He's been a prospect writer uh, for a bunch of different websites, The Athletic and whatnot. Um, 
and he just got hired on with the Vancouver Canucks. So congratulations, Ryan Beach. Uh, really, really, really happy for you and inspired by that. Uh, J.D. Burke just recently got hired by Elite Prospects to be their managing editor or whatever his title is. Uh, he'll be coming up on, a, on an upcoming episode as well. I had a chance to catch up with him at the NHL draft. So congratulations, J.D. So it can be done. There's a lot of players or sorry, people who have got hired as scouts in, in the hockey community. If you want to do it, it can be done. I hope you found this helpful. Let me know. Reach me out to me on Twitter at Farling or DPR underscore show. All right, so let's move on a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about uh, fantasy drafts because that's what we're, we're talking about here on this podcast. I had one uh, recently in the UHL, and that league is just like the DPFHL, the Dauber Prospects League. So it is... A full NHL roster with a hard salary cap. You can't just throw players away if you don't like them anymore. You're stuck with that contract where you got to buy them out or you got to eat it in a trade. Um, And it has a full prospect roster too. So it's like a 50-man roster with 25 prospects on your bench. So our drafts consist of all players who are entry-level players, of course, and any player who has previously been unaffiliated with an NHL team. So NCAA free agents and European free agents. Players that have never been drafted before and never signed an NHL contract. And every summer, there's a, there's a whole bunch of both of those categories. And I'll talk about those guys coming up in a little bit after I go through my pick list. So I had seven picks in a five-round draft. Um, uh, my first overall pick was in round one and the 19th pick. So long gone are the top 10 players. Um, that was just inside the top 20. So with the first round pick 19th overall, I went and took Spencer Knight, goaltender for the Florida Panthers. The player that was picked just before him was Connor McMichael, and the player picked just after was Jacob Pelche. So for each pick I made, I'll give you the before and after so you have some sort of context as to what that spot in the draft was looking like. And the reason why I took Spencer Knight was, um, well, he was the best player available. He's a player I had ranked near the top 10, so I feel like I got really great value out of him. And goalies are valuable in this league too. The way the, the format works, it's a head-to-head weekly league. And there are eight scoring categories for skaters. So you have a roster of like 20 skaters with forwards and, and D, and you count categories like goals, assists, points, penalty minutes, shots, face-off one, etc. And whoever between the two head-to-head has the most points in that category gets that category win then the player who has the team that has the most category wins wins the week and gets the points and goaltenders you can only ice one a night um, have a similar number of categories so uh, I feel they have a tremendously weighted value in this league so getting a future franchise number one starting goaltender at, at 19th overall I was really happy with that round two I didn't pick till 47th and uh, I really liked the Carolina Hurricanes draft, so I picked a couple players from Carolina here. Uh, Petr Kochkov, another goalie. Um, he's a player who I had ranked um, at the top of the second round. And so he fell to me at 47, so I was really happy to get him. Players taken just before and just after are Emil DeJuice and Patrick Newell. I feel that Petr Kochkov's upside isn't as high as Spencer Knight's, but it's pretty close. Um, and I believe he's a lot closer to the NHL too. 
being uh, an overage player. And uh, I think he's both goalies. I look at what's on the NHL roster when I drafted them, and uh, they both had a lot of opportunity. So since then, Florida has signed Bobrovsky to a long-term contract. So that kind of put a downer on my Spencer Knight good vibe. But nevertheless, I'm still happy with both picks. In the third round, I picked 55. I went back to Carolina and took Krill Schleppitz. Loved this guy. Watched him at the World Juniors and um, really liked what I saw. He's like super fast and dangerous shorthanded. And shorthanded category points are really hard to come by. So if you have a player that scores a shorthanded goal, you chances are you win that week in that category. Taken just before Schleppitz were Albin Grew and just after was Jamison Rees. So in good company there. Um, nevertheless, I'm really happy with my Krill Schleppitz pick, and uh, again, an overager player. I talk about this regularly on the podcast, too. He's a guy I think is not too long for the NHL. Moving on to the fourth round, 80th overall pick, I took a forward free agent from Europe, Jacob Lilja, uh, signed by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And he was picked just after Jake Elmer and just before anti Tomasito. So I'm really happy with the player that I got there. And I feel like he might be actually a player that contributes in the NHL this season. If not, um, what we do with our draft is rather than having to roster the players that you draft, you have one year where you hold on to their rights. And I can roster them and throw them on my roster if I want. If I want to trade them, for example, I have to add them to my roster and then I can trade them. Um, or if they make the NHL, I can just add them on. Uh, but if they're stuck playing in junior or in Europe or in the AHL, I can just bury them off of my roster on my on a reserve list. Uh, so feeling pretty good about that. Moving on to the fifth round, 101st overall pick, and pickings are starting to get pretty slim here now. Um, but I took Lucas Craig's or Craig's uh, forward that signed as a free agent out of the NCAA with Nashville, and I'll talk about him a little bit in my next segment. But he was picked just after Alex Protest and just before John Farinacci. Farinacci is another player that was on my list, and I had three fifth-round picks, and he's one of the players that I had targeted. And uh, I didn't get him, but right after I picked Craig, someone in my league DM'd me and said, damn, I was hoping to get him um, like <laughs> pick or two after I picked him and, and told me that was a great pick. So that, that's always nice, right, when you bust someone else's pick list. That always makes me feel good. Fifth round, 114th overall, and I had back-to-back picks here with 14 and 15. So with 114th pick, I went with another free agent signing from Europe, uh, Joel Kelman, a forward with the San Jose Sharks. And uh, I'll be talking about him in, in the next little bit as well. He was picked just after Tuka Tixola. Uh, not too sure how to pronounce his Finnish name, but... Uh, and the player picked after him was my pick as well. So anyways, Joel Kelman, uh, San Jose Shark forward, signed as a free agent. Hopefully he makes the roster, but as I said, I'll follow up on that. The next pick was Carl Johan Lerby, another free agent signing player from Europe, uh, defenseman with the Calgary Flames. I won't be talking about him later because he's been loaned back to his European club, so he won't be making it uh, in the NHL this year. Uh, he did come to the Flames development camp, and... Uh, and was impressive there, but uh, he's been loaned back to his SHL club. And then the next player picked after that was Luke Phillip. Uh, so yeah, that was my fantasy draft. I hope I didn't give away too much stuff because I still haven't done my other one, the Dobber Prospects Fantasy Hockey League. So I, I'm kind of showing my cards here a little bit with my pick list for the podcast. So hopefully no one from that league is listening. 
Um, but you know, for those of you that are listening that aren't in that league, I hope you find some some good value in this. Um, speaking of finding good value, uh, make sure you go to dauberprospects.com and check out the super content that is coming up on a daily basis there. I mentioned this on the last episode back in uh, early July, uh, but the summer series is in full swing now. Uh, it's a fantastic, every day uh, a new article comes up on each team in the NHL, 31 and 31, and it discusses what that team did at the NHL draft and gives a review of, at the very least, their their top impact picks that they made and a recap of the other players. Uh, we also talk about what happened at their development camp, who was invited, who stood out, who looked great, etc., etc. And then uh, the off-season impact moves as well. So free agents that have come and gone, trades that have been made, how that impacts fantasy-relevant uh, prospects in the system. Does that bury them on the depth chart or does it open the door for them to make the jump onto the NHL roster really really good information uh not targeted just for a draft but just roster management in general like you have a prospect and you can hold on to him for two years and then the team makes a trade and brings in a player who's a higher profile player in that position well it's probably means it's time to cut bait on that player so a lot of really good fantasy information for you there be sure to check it out all right so as promised, let's talk about some players who, for your draft, you would want to target. And some of these players might be gone because they played a little bit uh, at the end of last season. So depending on your league rules, you they might be owned already. And a lot of these players do have Fantrax ownership percentages. So I'll go over that too. First guy to talk about, uh, and this isn't really in any kind of order, uh, Nico Sturm, who is 35% Fantrax owned. He is a center signed as a free agent with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, as a junior out of the NCAA with Clarkson University, he was their captain. So he had one more year of junior, of college eligibility that he has foregone to turn pro. He's a 6'3", 207-pound center. I haven't seen much of him play, but the scouting reports and research I've done on him tells me that he's a, he's a good, big, physical two-way player so not going to be a top six player college free agent signings never are um but he 39 games last year he had 45 points 14 goals 31 assists he did play two games with the wild at the end of last season but didn't put up any points he also was a finalist for the hobie baker he was a first team all-star in the ecac division and uh, he was named the best defensive forward so what that tells me is his seasoning time in pro hockey might be short because he's a very sound defensive player already and has good size and is physically mature at 24 years old he could step right into the nhl in a third or fourth line center position and contribute to your team uh limited points wise of course i would believe but you know given his size and if he wants to play in the nhl he'll have to be a little gritty so if you're in a bangers and mash league keeping carlson uh he could be really valuable Next up, uh, Jimmy Schultz, defenseman, signed a one-year deal with the Vegas Golden Knights last year. He's 47% Fantrax owned. So currently, he is a restricted free agent, so he's not signed yet as of this podcast, which is Saturday, July 13th. He signed as a senior out of St. Cloud State, uh, so he has played out his junior or college eligibility. And he's also 24 years old. He's a good size, 6'1", 205 pounds. Uh, he was the captain at St. Cloud State for three years. So he's got some 
you know, some leadership and maturity already. And in last year, he had 35 points. And in 17-18 season, he had 38 points. So he's matured and he's pretty consistent and he is what he is. Um, he played one game in the NHL last season with Vegas and didn't score any points. And he has the potential to crack their top six D and they just moved out. I think it's Colin Miller. It was to Buffalo. Uh, so they've, they've opened up some, some spots on their blue line. Uh, so there's, there'll be competition for a position there. And then of course, when injuries come up, uh, he'll have an opportunity there as well. So he's a player who I highly suspect will play the majority of the season in the NHL with Vegas this coming season. Uh, another player would be uh, from Europe this time, free agent signing with Detroit defenseman Oliver Kasky. He's 53% owned on fan tracks. He's six foot three, 187, and he's coming from the Liga with Pelicans or Liga. Sorry, 59 games played, 51 points. That's pretty impressive. Um, 19 goals and 32 assists. He had the most goals and points by a defenseman in the league. He was the best defenseman in the league, and he was the best regular season player and made the all-star team, of course. He also made the Finnish World Championship team where he won gold medal with them and had two assists in 10 games played. So I really like this player. I think he's got a lot of fantasy upside. The challenge is how is he going to crack the roster in Detroit because they already have Green, DeKaiser, Erickson, Daly, Namath, and Bowie, all under NHL contracts and on the team. So if one of those, if he outplays one of those players, he has the opportunity to usurp them, um, or when there's an injury. But he's also got challenges on their minor league roster. Uh, he'd have to surpass Dennis Chalowski. Um, which won't be easy. And then they have a number of players who are waiver exempt um, that if they outplay in training camp, that they would earn a spot on the NHL roster. And if they were to be sent down, they'd have to go on waivers. So Detroit might be a little hesitant to move them back and forth through the roster. And those guys are uh, Hicketts, McElrath, and Lashoff. Uh, so his challenge will be to make the roster this year. Don't be surprised if he plays the entire season in the AHL with a couple cups of coffee with the Red Wings. However, if you're in a keeper league, I think he's got some really, really good value and upside. Uh, let's see. Scratched off of a couple players I'm not going to talk about. Uh, Lucas Craig's talked about him. He's only 1% fan tracks owned. I might be that 1%. Um, so he signed as a free agent by Nashville uh, out of his junior season at Bowling Green. So he had one more year to go, uh, which he has foregone. He's six foot 190, so not too small, not too big, kind of in the middle, but he is definitely uh, a tough guy. In 35 games, he had 25 points, so he's got some, some ability to put up some offense, but he had 118 points. And the season before that, he had 109. And this is in the NCAA, and keep in mind, there is no fighting in that league, so he did that without the benefit of getting five-minute majors for fighting. Uh, so I'm hoping because penalty minutes are a scoring category in my league that if he makes the NHL he punches his way in and hits his way in and that's how he stays and he becomes like a Mark Borbieski kind of player not very good offensively anything you get goals and assists wise would be bonus or shots on goal or any of that stuff's all bonuses what you have him on your roster for is he's your guy that stuffs your penalty minute and hits stat columns 
um, at, a, at a very low cost. He will not be an expensive player at any point in his NHL career. Um, so you need players like that, uh, specialty players that don't cost you very much on your cap um, and are really good at at least one category. If they're just in the NHL scoring minimal points without much hits, without many penalty minutes, with a you know near zero plus minus, then what's the point? Is this a waste of a roster spot? They got to fill at least one category really, really exceptionally. So rolling the bones on Lucas Craig's there. Uh, another player to talk about would be Joachim Nygaard. 42% fan tracks owned, so jumping back up the percentage ownership. He is a left-wing free agent from the SHL signed by the Edmonton Oilers, and Calgary was hot on him as well, but he chose the Oilers, uh, and I like his reason why, because he feels like he has a better opportunity to make the team, and he's not wrong. So type of player he is, is he's an offensive speedy winger, um, been compared to Carl Hagman in the research that I found. Um, last season, he played 52 games in the SHL, 21 goals, 14 assists. So he's more of a shooter than a, than a passer or a playmaker. Uh, that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, so put 35 points anyways. He signed a two-way deal at 900 and 25,000 so he's a very affordable player but there's a very good chance that he either plays in the AHL or, or maybe back and forth the players that he'll be competing with uh for a roster spot would be guys like Kelly Yamamoto Cooper Marodi and uh Joseph Gambardella another reason why he signed with Edmonton is he was recruited by uh Oscar Clefbaum who was uh teammates with him uh in Freistad when Clefbaum was there so that's a little interesting uh, another player that I talked about from my draft list, Joel Kelman, uh, center with San Jose, 25 years old, coming over from the SHL, Brynäs. He's 5'11", 192. He played 45 games last season and had 16 goals, 34 points. Not too bad. He's on a one-year contract, um, just under a million, 925,000. So he is a likely NHL roster player as well by my estimations, um, but AHL is a possibility too. Uh, so players he'll be competing with for a roster spot would be guys like Johnny Brodzinski uh, and Dylan Gambrell. So there's a chance. Uh, we'll see what he does in, in North America, but certainly a player worth putting on your draft list. Um, a couple other names to talk about. I've talked about them on previous episodes, and Bob McKenzie is going to talk about Ily Mikhaev, uh, so no need to go there. I'll just let Bob do the talking. Uh, Tara Hirose, Max Veronu, uh, those are the higher profile players that signed as free agents, uh, played in the NHL, made an impact right away, uh, played about 10 games each uh, with Detroit and Verono in Ottawa. Uh, so those are guys you certainly want to look at. Uh, Ryan Kuffner signed with Detroit as well, Brady Keeper. Uh, pretty sure I've talked about these players on previous podcasts. You might have to go back a few episodes and listen to those. Um, Artyom Zagadulin is another player to look at. He's a goalie, and he signed with Calgary Flames, and he's coming over to North America. If you read the uh, Flames 31-31, and 31, it, I believe it says in there that, this is where I read it anyways, that he looked really great. He was a bit of a standout. Uh, I don't think he'll crack the NHL roster this year, but um, and he's in tough with competition. I like a lot of Calgary's goalie prospects that they have. However, uh, he's coming from the KHL, so he's played pro already, and uh, and he looks legit. 
Uh, Josh Teebs, defenseman with Vancouver, uh, is another player uh, to take a look at. And Ola Palve, a center with Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, so those are some names that you might want to take a look at for your fantasy draft. And as I mentioned, I talked to Bob McKenzie about Elon Mikheyev. So enough of me on this episode. I've been rambling on for a half an hour. Let's, uh, let's go to the interview I had with uh, Bob McKenzie. And I want to thank Bob for taking the time to do his annual hit from the draft for Dauber Prospects Radio. And if you don't already listen to his podcast, you really, 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 really should. The Bobcast is amazing. So let's go to the NHL draft and my chat with Bob McKenzie. All right, joined with a special guest, the annual draft appearance from Bob McKenzie on Dauber Prospects Radio. Bob, how's it going? Very good. How about you? I uh, had a great weekend so far. Love the draft. It's a great time. So thanks for giving me a couple minutes of your time. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about um, round one. Was there any players uh, in the first round that, uh, that you think, who's the most NHL ready? Well, I think obviously Capo Caco at number two would be the, the first one that jumps out at you. He's, he's physically ready to go. Um, Got to think he'll be an immediate contributor to the New York Rangers. You saw him play at the World Championship for Finland. He, he, he at times dominated that tournament against men. And that's much of what he's done in the, the Finnish Elite League all season long. And I mean, he's the uh, most goals, fewest games, more than Barkov, more than Line as an 18-year-old in that Finnish league. So he's used to playing against men. I think he'll step right into the NHL and contribute. I think Bowen Byram certainly has a chance to go right directly to the National Hockey League. Those would be the two that jump out at me, and I think after that everything's a little more in a state of flux. There'll be some guys, though, that sign, get their nine games, and if they have a good preseason and start well in the NHL regular season, maybe they have a chance to stay, but we'll... Uh, We'll have to see how that goes in the fall. And you'd put Jack Hughes in that category too? Yeah, certainly. I think Hughes will be in the NHL next year, but um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, there's going to be questions about his physical maturity, um, but he's a special kid, and I'm sure he'll work hard in the offseason, get stronger. And, uh, you know, when Patrick Kane went into the NHL as an 18-year-old, everybody said 163 pounds, he's going to get killed in the NHL, and I, all he did was win Rookie of the Year. So I would expect Jack Hughes will be in the NHL next year. Um, Mike might not, and I say might because with special players, you, you never want to put limits on them, but uh, he um, he could make an immediate impact as well for the New Jersey Devils. Okay, let's talk about some other guys who are maybe a few years more mature that could be entering the NHL. Uh, one player that jumps out that I think uh, people in fantasy pools should be clamoring to draft is uh, Nikita Gusev at the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, you've had a lot of opportunities to see this kid play internationally. Do you think he could have more of a Panarin-type impact as a first-year player? Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you, you don't want to put any, you don't want to put unreasonable expectations in the kind of kind of the way Panarin's developed into an elite offensive player who's going to be highly sought after and highly paid uh, here in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, it's pretty clear that at this point the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are probably not in a financial position to meet what his contract demands are, Gusev's. So I think they will be trying to trade him, and where he ends up is your guess is as good as mine. But there'll be uh, there'll be lots of interest in him, and then it's a matter of trying to fit him in. Well, that's interesting. Uh, you get a chance to take in the World Juniors every year, as everyone in Canada loves watching it, and that's a great opportunity to watch junior players who are on the cusp of making it to the NHL. Are there a couple players that played for any nation in the World Juniors recently that you're looking at this kid and you're saying, yeah, you're good to go in the NHL? Well, Ryan Paling. I mean, uh, good start. He, he already 
came in and got a hat trick his first game with the Montreal Canadiens, which probably sets a whole bunch of unrealistic expectations because sure. we don't know that he's even going to be a goal scorer in the NHL, although when you score three in your first game, it suggests otherwise. But Ryan Paling was real good for Team USA at the World Junior Championships this past year, and he looks like, you know... And, and I, Can't keep I, up that 240-goal pace, though. No, huh? exactly. I, but, and, and the funny thing is you gotta you, you got to have some perspective on a player like that. I assume he's going to start the season with Montreal Canadiens, but it may well be that he does need some time in the American League. You never know with, with these guys. But... Um, if his first game was any indication, scoring the three goals at the tail end of last season, he will have an opportunity to step in and be a factor right away. So Montreal's starting to build depth in the middle of the ice with those young players like Kotkaniemi and Paling. And uh, maybe, well, I don't know whether they plan on playing Nick Suzuki in the middle or whether he'll go to the wing or whether he'll start the season in, uh, in Laval. But uh, they're starting to build a nice cupboard of prospects and young players uh, in Montreal. Indeed. Um, what anyone coming up from the AHL you think is ready to graduate? Hmm, that's a good question. I probably am not as up on the AHL as I should be, so I'll Fair enough. play next question. Okay. Uh, how about any of these uh, European players that are signing as free agents? I appreciate you probably don't have a lot of first-hand viewing opportunities of them, um, but source my sources tell me you're well-connected. Do you know <laughs> of any of these uh, players that are coming over, like the Leafs player uh, or the Red Wings defenseman, Oliver Kasky? Yeah, you know what? Again, probably a little bit out of my wheelhouse. At the time that they sign, I think about them, and then they've been on the shelf now for two or three weeks, so I haven't thought nearly as much about them. I'm more entry draft focused and free agency coming up. So, yeah, there's another one I'm probably not as sharp on as I should be. Yep, no problem. Anyone else from the World Juniors besides uh, Paling that stood out to you? Hmm, Let me think for a second. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, a kid like Owen Tippett. What's his future going to be with the Florida Panthers does he need time in the uh, in the American League or is, is he ready to go in, in the National Hockey League my guess is he might need some seasoning but boy he played he played well at that level at the World Junior Championship showed a lot I think Max Comtois from Team Canada is a guy who uh, who uh, will have a chance to, to make the, the the Ducks next year but again they're they've got a lot of young players coming you know Troy Terry and Sam Steele and amongst others um, when you, you know, from this draft, you know, Vasily Podkolzin, now he's two years away from, uh, from playing in the National Hockey League because of his contractual obligations, but I thought he played really well at the, at the World Juniors and, and showed that, you know, he's, he's very close to NHL already, even though he's, uh, he's not contractually available for a couple of years. Do you think that that was a deterrent for some teams in drafting him? Because, I mean, most of the players that got drafted last night are all at least two years away. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, some of them, they hope they're going to be able to play right away, especially in those top ten. You'd like to hold out hope that if the guy's maybe not two years away so much as one year away, but your point's well taken. Um, I think it's important to remember, too, you, you got to, you know, it's a cliche, but you, try, you should take the best player available. Um and you're often rewarded for your patience if you subscribe to that theory. Um, case in point, 2010 NHL entry draft. Vladimir Tarasenko and Evgeny Kuznetsov were both top 10 talents in that draft. Everybody knew it. But because they were Russian, and that in 2010 there was what I would call a very large Russian factor going on, that, um, that Tarasenko dropped all the way to 19 to the Blues. And Kuznetsov was like 26 or 27 to the Washington Capitals. And it took four years, four full seasons from the time they were drafted until they arrived in the National Hockey League. But they were both well worth the wait. And if I'm not mistaken, 
Vladimir Tarasenko and the St. Louis Blues won a Stanley Cup this past year, and Tarasenko was a big part of that. And last year, the Washington Capitals won a Stanley Cup, and Kuznetsov was a big part of that. So it would have been easy for St. Louis and Washington back then in the draft to say, we're drafting a 19, we're drafting a 26 or 27, we want to draft somebody who can make an impact within the next two years. They said, well, we're prepared to wait for these guys, they're that good, and they were. My sources can confirm your facts on that one. All right. (laughs) Bob, thanks so much for your time. Uh, On behalf of everyone that listens to my show, I know they all listen to yours, so we're hoping that that you come back and do another season. As always, thanks very much. My pleasure, Bob. Awesome. Thank you. So that was my interview with Bob McKenzie from uh, the NHL Draft in Vancouver. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. And uh, thank you, Bob, again for coming on our show. And the outro music for today's episode is Roll the Bones by Shaky Graves. Uh, Ainsley introduced this to me in Vancouver, and I cannot stop listening to this tune. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the show. Hit the little five-star button, and see you then.
Get put up the 